What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Friday episode of the show, a Friday free for all. Kyle, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. I hope you have something good cooked up for today because I do. Oh, I thought you were going to say because I don't. Well, no, it, it came late, but I got it. I got well, it. Go right ahead. Let's do it. I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, Bleacher, Bleacher Report Gridiron dropped a, a tweet this afternoon on Thursday afternoon. It was dropped the most random NFL player to have a great season. With a I picture, participated. I did not. Uh, I, you know what? I do see your Gary Barnage. Yes. A couple Cleveland Browns on here between Brother. Peyton Hillis, <laughs> Gary Barnage. Uh, what we got a Josh Gordon in the response here. Is yeah. that Josh Gordon? Um, Derek, Anderson. Derek Anderson. You could also name drop Braylon Edwards from that Browns. Yeah era of the the late 2000s so i was just curious if we wanted to take a little walk down memory lane for some of these other great one-hit wonders of the nfl uh throughout the course of our teens and early adulthood if you had any other names besides obviously your hit of gary barnage uh (laughs) who who comes to mind for you it was the first one man he had a thousand yards for the browns at tight end one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. They get 600 yards the next year, and then we we never heard from him again. Never heard after from like him again. Five, he had like four or five seasons to start his career of like complete irrelevant contributions. He has 1,000 yards, 670, and the guy says, peace. I thought it was a great answer. How can about we, How about – go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, can we talk about the person who didn't understand the assignment? And put Who's, 2004 Curtis Martin, who is a Hall of Fame running back, on this list. <laughs> There's some like, bad ones in here for sir, sure. Sir, this is a Wendy's, okay? Mike, Read like the tweet Mike again. Allscott. Like Mike Allscott was the same exact thing every single year, right? Like <laughs> Curtis Martin is a Hall of Fame running back. You did not understand the assignment. I like How? this answer. Steve Smith, but the Giants version. In 2009, he had 108 catches, 1,220 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's a good answer. I got an even better one for you. Okay. 2010, Brandon Lloyd with the Denver Broncos. Dude, he was like, he like led the, the league in receiving one year, if I'm not mistaken. That, that was that year. So his, <laughs> his first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years in the NFL, 212 yards, 565 yards, 733 yards, 365 yards, 364 yards, 117 yards, 14 yards, 1,448, which led the NFL with 11 touchdowns and 18.8 yards per catch. What, 153 targets? Unbelievable. Man, Peyton Hillis is the right answer here. The dude was on the Madden cover. Damn right. Still the last, I say it a million times, the last copy of Madden that I purchased and played was that one with Peyton Hillis on the cover. So he Somebody, had nearly half uh, of his career um, rushing yards and all-purpose yards came in that single season in 2010. 2010 was a weird year in the NFL. It was the upside down. 
there is a response on here from a guy named Sports Radio 66. And his handle is at BD Jet Met. So he's a, he's a Jets fan. And this is an all-time troll job. I love it. It's a picture of Josh Allen. Oh, no. <laughs> I made me laugh. I thought, I thought it was a great play. <laughs> that's a good – That's it's well played. You know, it's so you get a good play. chuckle out of it until he does right. it again. Then it's like, oh, okay. Right. That was fun while it lasted. For, for now, it's really funny. I, I think it was a good troll job. Oh, Cameron Meredith's a good call. How many Mike um, Mike Shanahan running backs do you think could be oh, on this list? Five. Orlandis Gary, remember him? Who was the Tatum Bell? Tatum Bell. Whoever the former Marine was that was good for a minute. Somebody hit up Ben Jarvis Green Ellis in here, yeah. and I'm here for that. Does he thousand. He had two thousand yard seasons, but there's not a whole lot else after that or before it. How about 2009 Sidney Rice with the Minnesota Vikings? Oh, yeah. That's a a great call. That was – Favre was there for that, right? I think so. I think so. Oh, wait. I've got one more. What's his name? I know what team he played for. Hold on. Mm -hmm. He played for the Packers. Yeah, running back back? James Starks? No, 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 no. Javon Walker. You guys remember Javon Walker at wide receiver? First round pick, Florida State. Or was he was he a two? He was he was the twentieth overall pick. Okay. Uh, but he put up fourteen hundred yards in two thousand and four, made the Pro Bowl. (laughs) Uh, his first two seasons he didn't put up that combined. And then the following season he got hurt. Um and then within three years of after that, he was out of the league. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, you know who never had a good season in the NFL? And Keel Harry. Yeah. Wide receiver. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Forks up uh, on the video from Chris Shuby. Proud. ASU alum, but in Keel Harry, first round pick of the New England Patriots, wants a trade, was hurt his first year, really didn't find much production in year two. I thought they used him in really weird ways, kind of letting him be a yak guy and manufacture some touches for him when you know you watch him at Arizona State. He's kind of a down-the-field, ball skills, catch point type guy, and he wants a fresh start, so Let's talk about it. What went wrong in New England? Who do you think should be interested in bringing him in? I don't know about who should be interested, but his projection to New England was a little bit of an odd one when you consider how he wanted Arizona State. He's a guy who worked down the field and 
made a lot of body adjustments, high point, attacked the ball down the field. And New England's offense is a lot of sight adjustment, a lot of, lot of option routes, right? You're, you're adjusting to defensive leverage instead of Harry's play at Arizona State was literally, I'm going to run the route, and even if you have me covered, I'm going to attack the ball and go get it. So, like, uh, that, that kind of conflict in style of play, as you've seen, uh, has not translated particularly well. And and you even saw his camp come out this past year and kind of throw a little shade at Cam Newton as far as why he wasn't producing, talking about the quarterback play in New England. So um, never really felt like the fit was there from the very beginning, if we're being honest. Well, yeah, and, and so – begs the question, like, what do you think the thought process was for drafting him? Was this a, a throw a bone to Tom Brady as he gets to the end of his career? And, you know, maybe you need this type of player to go get the football a little bit. I, I mean, I have a hard time getting inside the mind of, of why they made this selection. It's a great and I know, question. I know hindsight analysis <laughs> is easy, but yeah. I think we questioned it at the time as well. And so I, I think it's fair to bring it up. And, you know, we've had some good conversations with our scouting staff about Keel Harry and some of his, you know, what he is as a prospect and, you know, where he won. And I thought Jordan Reed really made a good point when he started talking about, you know, when you, when you talk about college wide receivers and, and you really notice that they rely on contested catches, right? Like that's their bread and butter is winning in contested situations because they don't separate. That's kind of a red flag and something that makes it challenging for them to really project to the next level. And, and Laquan Treadwell is a good example of that type of player. And from my own perspective with evaluating players, I've gravitated away from that a lot. Like I know we all love to see a guy moss a player, you know, in college and go up and get the football and, you know, win in a crowd like there's nothing more beautiful than somebody climbing the ladder high point in the football with a guy draped all over him and coming down for a, for a you know a big time catch like I, we all love that but how that translates to the NFL is pretty poor like you'd much rather have a guy that runs great routes and can get open because the best thing you can give your quarterback is a guy that is open that creates separation and that's I mean I don't want to get into Chris Olave but that's why I love Chris Olave as a prospect out of Ohio State so you know, I think I think that there's, I think that there's a um, a good lesson to be reminded of here that if you are only winning in contested situations in college as a wide receiver, life in the NFL is going to be really difficult for you for that to be your bread and butter and, and your trump card. Yeah, it's um, I guess where where that trait is applicable. You know, it's it's good to have it, but it's almost like a we should I we should almost be viewing it as a in case of emergency break glass type situation where if the ball's underthrown or if the ball's thrown inaccurately and you have to make adjustments at the catch point that pull you back into defenders, that's when that contested catch skill really becomes valuable. But to have that as your primary way of making a quote-unquote living as far as catching the football as a college receiver, yeah, I definitely think it's something that that we just kind of have to be honest with and acknowledge that if you're going to translate 
as a guy who doesn't get great separation, you're probably going to be the exception to the rule. Uh, and, and then you get into the whole, uh, the whole weeds as far as how to divide guys like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, right? At, Ole Miss and playing in Phil Longo's offense and they weren't really asked to run a lot of routes and they did win with physicality and was that because they couldn't or because they weren't asked to because of the offense so like that I think that's probably where those exceptions to the rule will materialize themselves in in more of the context of how they're used versus guys who can't physically separate if that makes sense. Shuby I had a question for you along these lines as a Forks up ASU alumni and a greater Phoenix area local. You live there. I wouldn't call you Mm -hmm. native. What does it mean? You're from there. You live there. Uh, Dre Dre Harris for the draftnetwork.com wrote an article about destinations for and Keel Harry, and he brought up the Arizona Cardinals as one of them. You should be shaking his head before I could finish the sentence. So go ahead. I've seen this. I've seen this elsewhere, right? There was a Sirius XM um, state show, The Catch, I think, labeled the 49ers and Cardinals as potential destinations. Where is he fitting in to this Arizona Cardinal offense? What are they giving up in order to get Nikhil Harry? And where is he fitting into an offense that already has DeAndre Hopkins, that has Christian Kirk, that has AJ Green, and oh by the way, drafted Rondell Moore in the second round? Like, where is he playing? Are you going to stunt the growth of your of your second round pick? Are you going to not use the guy that you use free agency money on? Is Christian Kirk not a thing anymore? What about Andy Isabella? There's just no room. <sighs> AJ Green I'm going should... to pretend like you didn't say Andy Isabella's name there to preclude you from drafting a first round pick, and I'm going to pretend that you didn't include AJ Green as a guy who's over the hill, as a guy who would preclude you from getting a first round pick from two years ago, who has plenty of potential as a size receiver from getting on the field. But wait a minute, Kyle. I'm not saying that about Andy Isabella. The team is saying that in the way that they have talked about him. And clearly, they feel that A.J. Green has something left because they signed him as a free agent. I can only operate on what the team is telling me in their actions. And their actions tell me they think A.J. Green still has something left in the tank. They oh. think Andy Isabella can be something for them because he's still on the team and he hasn't been cut. I Not feel yet. Like the, and there's no reason to cut him yet. The reason I, I think this is interesting is because I feel like this is the type of receiver that has found – success in Cliff's offense dating back to like Texas Tech. And, you know, they drafted Akeem Butler, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm not, that's not wrong. They did draft him, yes. I I think they do want this type of player. And so if you can have, I mean, what could the Patriots possibly want in return? I'm thinking a five, a six, something like that. I mean, what did Zay Jones, the Zay Jones trade could be something that gives us some, Parameters. I got to look this up. Zay Jones was traded from the Bills to the Raiders a in fifth. exchange for a fifth round pick. I think that's probably a pretty, I mean, it, it, Zay was a high, high too. I mean, nearly a, a damn first round pick. Had more production with the Bills probably than, uh, you know, the, Harry's had with New England. Yeah, it's a fifth round pick. Have we uh, talked about AJ Green's deal, by the way? It's wait, one year. Is seen, it one year seven? It's one year six, but he's only getting paid three and a half million of it. There's incentive. It's incentive based. Yes, he has to do a lot. I mean, they they they've automatically got in 2022 and 2023. They've got void years. Mm-hmm. Void years with two and a half million dollars. 
They just signed it away from the future. They just borrowed money from the future just to sign AJ Green on a one-year deal to be wide receiver three and a half. <laughs> and and I'm sorry, but until this gets solved, Larry Fitzgerald is just looming over this franchise. Well, so what are we waiting on there? We're, we're, waiting, on, we're waiting on Larry Fitzgerald to, to tell us if he's coming back or not. Come on. Like at this point no. in his career, yeah, like that's just not courteous anymore. Like, he doesn't have that's rude. That's rude. I, I'd it, say good luck finding somewhere else to play. Guys, if he wants to play football in 2021, he's doing it for the Arizona Cardinals. No, not if not if I'm Steve Kime. Say see you later. Ooh. Ooh. Would would you seriously let that happen, Joe? Put yourself in the the shoes of a general manager. You got to go through free agency. You got to go through the draft. You got to make these decisions. Franchise legend. He's been around forever, but the guy's slowing down. Let's be completely honest. And he calls you up a week before training camp and says, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to play. I'm not under contract, but I think I'm going to play for you guys. Is that, is that flying for you? Well, I think, number one, Larry Fitzgerald has not been courteous about this. It's, there's no way he doesn't know at this point. That needed to be communicated a while ago. Number two, if you're Steve Kime, like you said, Kyle, he's not under contract. And so I would be operating as if they don't have Larry Fitzgerald. See, I'm doing the opposite. Because it has gone on this long, I don't think he's retiring. I think he's playing next year. If he was retiring and riding off into the sunset, because I think that's the only other alternative. I don't think he plays somewhere else in 2021. I think he would have told us already. It hasn't been. It, he was just on the match. He was just part of the broadcast crew for the match. If there was ever an opportunity for Brian Anderson to turn to Larry Fitzgerald and be like, hey, do you want to tell us about your future? And Larry to be like, hey, I'm not playing next year. There was your opportunity. Never came up. Not a word. That tells me he's playing next year. Well, and he's doing he, it for the Arizona Cardinals. And by the way, I don't think that's necessarily a Steve Kime decision. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors, including the grasshopper cookie. You can order it now, BuiltBar.com. It's delicious. Kyle has said it's the best, top two, top three, somewhere high on his personal big board. Check it out for yourself. It's delicious, just like all the other flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're healthy, they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. And if you're on the keto diet, it's perfect for that as well. We got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. What are we doing here? Joe, how many, how many yards per catch does Larry Fitzgerald have <laughs> This, Over this the has last gone through the break. Five years. Over the last five years. Yeah. He has two 1,000 yard seasons and two 100 reception seasons in this stretch. He's missed three games in the last five years, and they were each this last season. This 37 year old wide receiver. How many yards per catch does Larry Fitzgerald average over the last five years? 10 and a half. 9.9. You're going to let him come back for a 38-year-old season when he's not under contract because he's a franchise legend and posted 1,400 catches? He had 409 yards average, 7.6 yards per catch last year. I'd tell him to kick rocks. This is wild to me. I feel like Larry, I don't live in Phoenix. You do, Chris, but I feel mm -hmm. like Larry's pretty much God there, right? 
Uh, Steve is, Nash and Larry Fitzgerald, so, right? So, like that's the guys. I, I mean, I, I don't want to spend the whole rest of the show on this. He's part owner of the Suns. We don't know how big of a percentage it is, but he's been at all the Suns games recently, sitting courtside. He right. he he is a Enjoy retirement. I, I think out of all of the, the Suns, out of all of the sports here, he is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, icon in the city. He just is, and 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 everybody adores him. And I'm here to tell you that if he wants to come back. I think there's a contract somewhere that is just, is just prepped and ready to go <laughs> that can get handed to him because that's the way he, he doesn't have an agent. Larry always does his own business and he just him and Michael Bidwell have gotten together each of the last couple of years and they just have these conversations. That's that that's the way it works. And Steve's involved in the process and they just hang out and, and that's the way it goes. So Larry, this, came into- this has been the longest we've gone. We normally know by now, but this has been an, it has been a recurring theme for the last three seasons of always oh, this Larry's year last year. Is he coming back? What, what's he doing now this year? It's just gone into absurdity because here we are, you know, July 9th and he still hasn't decided or at least hasn't told us his decision. So Larry first came into the year in the league in 2004. Joe, since 2000, Larry Fitzgerald is a top blank wide receiver in the NFL. Since 2000? Yeah. Five. I was going to say five, six, eight. Yeah. No, some yeah. arbitrary. Definitely a top 10 wide receiver in the in the league over the last 20 years. No doubt. But at this juncture in the road, I can't wrap my mind around a team who, as Chris has said, has a massive lo- If you don't have room for a first round pick from two years ago who played ball in that city. You can't possibly have room for a 38 year old who's averaged less than 10 yards per catch over the last five seasons and had a 5.7 yards per target on 72 targets average last year. You can't do that. If, if you've got too big of a log jam to accommodate a trade for Nikhil Harry, because where's he going to play? Where's Larry Fitzgerald going to play? And if you do that because he's a, a legend of the city, then that's a horrible indictment of the way that you do business. My outlook and perception of the Arizona Cardinals with or without Larry Fitzgerald is unchanged. I don't think he make, makes a difference on their success this year. No, me neither. I, I would agree with that, but... You know, there are pe- people who know him very well. Patrick Peterson on his podcast a couple of weeks ago said if he's not retired yet, he's not retiring. And so I just trust the people that have been around him for a large majority of his career. Can I ask you guys a question to close the show? Yes, mm-hmm. but only Why, if I can ask you a question afterwards. Sure. Why isn't Richard Sherman on a football team for the 2021 season yet? Somebody help me. Taking his time. He could still play. We know that. And that's why I'm, well, I'm confused that he hasn't had a big enough offer thrown in front of him that he signed yet. The Saints are apparently the betting favorite now for Richard Sherman. I think Richard also knows his worth. And I think Richard, you know, he's one of the most intelligent players in the league. I mean, just, just the Stanford education. He's his right? own agent, like, right? He negotiates his own deals. Right. So he's he's not dumb. I think he's going to understand we're going to get down to crunch time. He survived the first wave, didn't really have a market. Get it? He's an older corner. We're going to get to crunch time, and somebody's going to come knocking with an offer that's worthwhile. How much did Jadavion Clowney sign for last year on his one-year deal? I think it was $13 million. Do we think that's a good comparable? 
Now, just an example of a player who kind of strung out the process and didn't land with a team gotcha. and got a and got a decent size contract. Yeah, Logan Ryan got a decent deal as well. Right. It was about ten million, I think. Yeah. His deal with the Browns was for one year ten million for this year for Clowney. But I believe you're talking about the year before that. Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. The year before that with the Titans. Let me look here. Which he signed like mid August. <laughs> it was um one year, twelve to thirteen million dollars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's probably a good example of how if you play out the process, some team who's a contender is gonna nut up or shut up time, and they're gonna put a little bit more on your your plate for an offer. I think for the team that does sign Richard Sherman, you have to feel really good about him being able to acclimate very quickly. I mean, right. what coverage technique and concept? is Richard Sherman unfamiliar with, you know, like he could come in and be whatever you could have gotten if you signed him in April or, or March. So I, I think, I think he knows that. I think the teams are aware of that. And maybe there's an injury that happens that gets him even more money. If, you know, maybe the, the perceived contenders aren't in right now, but maybe that'll change. And so he's right. willing to wait. Right. My my last thing, uh, the worst rule in in the NFL is what? Open ended question. Oof, I have a couple it, of it thoughts. It was the helmet thing, but now they switch that. Okay. Chris, overtime. Oh, 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 oh can I? I want to. I have an answer. Please, Joe, go ahead. An automatic first down for like defensive holding. Yes, like five yard penalty, contact. automatic first down. Is Third the worst penalty. Yeah, it's the worst penalty in football. There's no question in my mind. It's ridiculous. Chris, I don't. This is gonna. I apologize to the listeners of this program because I don't want to start a. I don't want to start a curmudgeon here to end. I don't want to start a battle over this, but I, I I do not like the if you fumble the ball into the end zone, it is a touchback and it goes to the other team. Where would what would you do? Return it to the spot of the fumble and (sighs) Shuby. This is what I I was afraid of. This is what I was afraid of. That out because that was bad. But based on the conversation that you and I had about that baseball play where he didn't touch the bag and now he's he beat out the throw yeah. but he beat the throw remember this earlier in the year and i was like i have yes. a controversy this is he, the same thing no it's not it's very different you, you 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 the run doesn't count if you don't touch the plate the touchdown doesn't count if you don't take the football across the no, goal no 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 that is not what i'm arguing if you fumble the ball into the end zone because you're reaching out defense doesn't do anything. You lose the ball on the way through and it goes into the end zone for a touchback. The other team gets the ball for not doing anything. I have a problem with that. Okay. I have a problem with that. I don't, and Kyle, to your question, I don't have a nice fancy solution that's going to make everybody happy about it. I don't. You do need to be penalized for fumbling the football, but maybe you put it back. If you're inside the 20, it goes to the 20 and you start from there. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't feel good about it when a team gets the ball for not doing anything. I, I solved this problem. Because if, if you fumble and it goes out of bounds and it's not recovered, they return it to the spot of the fumble and it's the right. next down, right? So if you reach for the goal line and you fumble, the ball goes out of the back of the end zone, you put return the ball to the original line of scrimmage and you lose it down. 
I would be absolutely fine with that. It's a run from the eight yard line. You get down to the one inch line, you reach out, you fumble, it goes out the back of the end. Nobody zone. recovers it. On, on nobody recovers it. It goes on back second to you, and, second and goal from the eight. Now it's third and goal from the yeah, eight. I'm good with that. I would be very content with that as a solution. All right. I'm good. It, it, it should be. Sorry Done. for jumping, jumping down your for, throat for, there. For threatening to commit a crime against me. Yeah, because yes. I, I thought you were going to take this to a place that I was not comfortable with. And you didn't. And so we didn't. So we can I'm end sorry. the weekend on happy notes and happy <laughs> vibes here on Draft Dudes. We hope you enjoyed this Friday free-for-all. As always, the guys just shooting the breeze here on a Friday on the show. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Training camp right around the corner. What, Dallas and and somebody's like a week and a half away from training camp, right? Because they got the Hall of Fame game coming up here at the beginning of the month. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be in it before you know it. So hit subscribe. Thanks, as always, for carving some time out of your day. Kyle Krabs, Joe Manier, and Chris Schubert. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday.